Thank you so much for that, Kobe. Man, a um, couple of things as we get started today. If, if you didn't see on Facebook or hadn't heard yet, uh, Talitha's mother, Tatsi, uh, passed away unexpectedly yesterday. Um, and so our, our hearts and prayers are with them. Maddie, we love you guys. Um, that's Maddie's grandmother also, if you didn't know, that's how that works. Um, so, uh, Glenn texted me yesterday morning about 6 a.m. and said, are you up? And had it not been for my two-year-old, the answer would have been no. Um, but uh, she had actually just started kind of fussing, and so I called him and he explained that, that uh, Totsie was not doing well and that they were headed to, uh, to Mobile, Alabama to, to see her. Um, and just, you know, if you can even say this, out of the Lord's goodness, Talitha was able to be there and hold her hand as she passed uh, man, what an incredible blessing um, to be able to be there for that. And so he said, uh, I may need you to preach. We don't, we're not sure what's going to happen. Well, about 1.30 yesterday, he sent me his notes. And Glenn's version of notes is the scripture and about three things written down. Um, and as I shared with you guys last time, that's kind of the opposite of how I roll, but the Lord's working me out of that. And so here we are. Uh, and so today, I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit very heavily um, and... and uh, we're going to just let him do his thing. Uh, our kids are in the back again today. Um, just a quick little plug here. We need a couple of people to help. We've got, I think Bethany calls on Wednesdays or something like that, the, the volunteers, just to remind them, hey, your turn's coming. And I think we've got two holes that need to be filled. Is that correct, Beth? Brittany? We need a couple of volunteers. That's what we're getting at. All right, so... Uh, continue to ask the Lord about that, and, and, uh, and we'll get that taken care of. So I'm saying that to say that you're going to hear a little noise in the back. Hopefully I'll be louder than them today. Uh, their parents are going to do their very best, and I'm going to do my very best, but I need your very best to, to keep your focus today. Um, so the last couple of weeks, you know, it's been no accident where the Lord has had us. We talk about that all the time, that there's no coincidences, that, that as we have been looking over the last year of what it means to be the church, as we've been studying through the book of Acts, that the Lord is very uh, directly pointing us somewhere. And, and we've got a few new faces in the room today. And so uh, I'll, I want you guys to know that you're kind of coming in on the middle of something. So just bear with me. I'm going to do my best to explain what we're talking about. But we're in, we're in the, the 18th chapter of the book of Acts. We started at the beginning of the year and the beginning of Acts looking at what was the new church. What were they about? How did they operate? Um, a couple of months ago, maybe two months ago, uh, after a Sunday morning, uh, you know, as Glenn always does, he was sitting down here putting the message up online, and I came and sat down. I was like, man, I started this great new book. You've got to get this. It's called Letters to the Church, and he grinned and pulled it out of his backpack. We've been plugging that book, and, and we really want you guys to read that, not because it's the Bible, um, but because Francis Chan does a really good job of saying, um, whenever I look at Scripture and I look at what the church is supposed to be, and then I look at what my church experience is, I'm seeing two different things. Francis Chan was a, a well-known megachurch pastor uh, and left all that because in the middle of all of that churchiness, he felt emptiness. And he wanted to know, what, what am I missing? And so as a, uh, for Glenn and I as leadership, and I know that several of you guys are reading through that book, we want you to read that because what Francis Chan does is he points out the problems that we all see and he vocalizes it in a very good way. But what he doesn't do is say, here's the fix. Because it's something that each of us uh, as churches have to address for ourselves and say, what is God calling us to do? He does very, don't worry about him, he does very reluctantly 
you know, at the back of the book share kind of what their model is and how they operate, but that's not a model for us. It's not who God's calling us to be, and so don't panic if you read that book and think, oh my gosh, we're going to quit doing this on Sunday mornings and do house church only. That's not our goal, okay? Um, Glenn's discussion last week, he talked about how busy God has him right now. Um, For those of you who are new, he's meeting with 29 people an hour each every week, Um, And so it takes up 29 hours of his week every week just meeting with some of you guys that have felt God's calling to to take on the leadership that he's placing on you. We've got, you know, some 50-something churches we're planting in Honduras, and now we have this stuff happening in Romania. And he just felt overwhelmed and, and was asking the Lord, how do I handle all this? And God very clearly said, you don't. Um, and, and so it's no accident in our passage today, we see God addressing some of those things. Okay. He talked about how we're going to unleash the body, how we're going to unleash you guys to do ministry, that it's not his call. It's not my call to do all the ministry of the church, but it's our call together to do ministry. And he, he told you to buckle your seatbelts. I hope you did. Cause we're going to go on a, on a pretty good ride today. Um, and we talked about how we need to make a major shift in our minds, how, you know, in the past when we thought of church, we thought of a building. We've thought about what we do corporately on Sunday mornings, but our call as a church is about what we do in life, and we need to make that swap. I addressed that pretty specifically a couple of weeks ago when I preached about how, uh, and I didn't dive directly into this, but in our culture, we have this this paradigm of paid staff, of paid professionals. We have people that we send to, to seminary and they are responsible for doing all the ministry, and that creates a lot of problems because what it does is it takes the burden, the responsibility, and the joy of ministry away from you guys, and it puts it on guys like me. And that's not how the church operated. And we're going to see that again in our scripture today, that the call to ministry is not just for the pastors and for the staff. The call to ministry is for each of us individually as believers. That as we engage the Holy Spirit, as we do life with the Holy Spirit, as His love comes through us, ministry happens through us. And it happens through our homes and it happens through our relationships. It happens through the people that we work with that this, this Sunday morning thing is not church. This is just a place and a time. It's not about how we do church. It's about the why. Okay. So let's jump in. Let's look at uh, Acts chapter 18. We're going to read through verses 21 today uh, or, or at first, and then we're going to, we're going to address a few things and then we'll move on from there. So it says this, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. Okay, remember, I'm going to pause for a second. Remember, the last couple of weeks we've talked about Paul was in Corinth. When he arrived in Corinth, he met Aquila and Priscilla, built a relationship together with those guys who was living with them. They were in business together, making tents, providing for themselves. Uh, Paul is kicked out of the synagogues. He dusts his feet off. They go into the, to the, the house next door, the leader of the synagogue. I want to wrap your brains back around those concepts that, that Paul has moved from the synagogue now and he's moved into a home and ministry begins to happen. And the leader of the synagogue and his family come and they uh, embrace who Jesus was and they, they come to salvation through faith. So here we are, it says, after this, after all that happened, Paul stayed many days longer and then he, he leaves, okay? And it says, he leaves there and he sets sail for Syria and with him, Priscilla and Aquila, I'm going to mispronounce this. At Ken Kriai, he had a haircut, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. 
and he set sail from Ephesus. So in verse 18, we see that Paul takes Priscilla and Aquila, these two, that he, he developed this very deep relationship with them. When he leaves Corinth, he takes them with us. And, and we can begin to deduce, we can begin to discover as we read on why that is. And maybe it's to continue to help him in his trade as, as tent makers, to continue to build profit and take that business with them. Maybe it's for continued companionship and ministry. I think both of those things are very important. But probably as we look at this, what we're going to see is, is that he had made such a great investment in Priscilla and Aquila that he knew that God had them destined for leadership, that it wasn't, they weren't just a friendship, but they were going to be tools in ministry that God was going to use to continue to do what, they, what, what Paul was teaching them. And, and so as we see that in the scripture, we ask ourselves, why? Why did he take them with us? They had just settled there. They had, remember, they had come from Rome. They had been kicked out of Rome. They had just settled in Corinth, setting up shop. But Paul says, come with me. And he takes them. And the why for that is, is really important. In the second part of that verse, it mentions that Paul uh, had taken a vow. And, and what most likely there is that it was a thank offering for his life being spared um, whenever, whenever he left the region. Um, and, and now, because he's leaving Corinth, that vow is over. And his intent uh, was to return for a longer visit, but for some reason, whether it was the Holy Spirit, um, we're not sure, most likely that's it, he decides to leave, okay? In verse 19 through 21, it says he found favor with the Jews in Ephesus, but for some reason, he could not or would not stay any longer. So he goes to Ephesus, he finds favor with them, they're listening to the things that he's saying, which is not typically what happens but for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit tells him that he needs to go on from there, okay? But in verse 19, it says he left Aquila and Priscilla there, okay? For me, this reveals the reason that he brought them with him, okay? Track with me on this, okay? He can't stay in Ephesus, but he leaves Aquila and Priscilla there. Paul had fully equipped them for leadership, okay? So let's think about who these people are. They're believers. They meet in Corinth. They stay together. Paul pours into them for about 18 months. He takes them with him where God is calling him to go, and then he leaves them there, and he places them in leadership. Glenn has written in his notes, it's time for us to talk about investment and responsibility. We've talked about at length, we've said it till we're blue in the face, that, that we are the church. We believe that. We know it in our hearts. We know it to be truth. But we are at a, we're at a crossroads in our church. We're at a place where it's time for each of us individually to take responsibility for the ministry that God's put in our hands, okay? I'm going to say what Glenn probably wouldn't say from here is that his time here is limited. His days are numbered in this, in this location because God has more plans for him. There are churches to be planted. God has called him to do that, okay? But that can't happen until we take responsibility, the reason Glenn's saying fasten your seatbelts is we are making a major paradigm shift here. We're going from a model of, of, and this is a global church model of paid staff, to a model of we're just people doing life together, okay? For those that don't know me, there's a few in the room. I have a full-time job somewhere else. This is not what I get paid to do. There's no one else on this church other than Glenn that gets a salary for what we do. And the reason we pay Glenn is because God has told us to. We've asked the Holy Spirit about that. Glenn has asked the Holy Spirit to release him from that and let him get a job. And God said no. Okay? It's our responsibility as a church to do ministry here. I look back um, in my journal, as I shared with you guys a couple of weeks ago, 
Um, you know, if you, if you hadn't figured this out yet, my call for this body is to be the pastor here when God moves Glenn out. Okay, I went back and looked, because I, I was thinking about that last night as I was reading through Glenn's notes preparing for today. God confirmed that call. I'd been praying about it for a long time, but the, the actual, for me, the confirmation where I read something and knew this is it was on May 5th, 2016. That's when God confirmed that I'm to be here as a pastor. That's two and a half years ago almost. I asked myself, why is it taking so long? And I think the answer is... is you and I together have not taken responsibility. That we're still depending on, on showing up on Sunday morning and hearing from Glenn because we know he's been studying all week, but we haven't been spending time in the Word. We haven't been pursuing the Lord. And until we do those things, the church is not going to move forward. This is, not, this is not Will fussing at you guys. I'm lumping myself right in there with that. I struggled with that this week. I'm just being honest and open, okay? Let's look at the things we've talked about over the last couple of years since we've been here. Okay, and this is to everyone who's a member of TGP. If you're not in the membership here, don't feel like I'm calling you out. You're not guilty of anything. This is for our members, okay? But I want you to understand what we've been talking about, and I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, members of this body, the commitment that we've made and the things that Christ has been talking to us about. First of all, abiding in Christ. That's one of the very first things we talk about here as a member is, are you abiding daily? Are you spending time with the Lord, listening for His voice, and obeying what He says, Okay? Are you blessing the lost and the wandering? The blessing across to begin with prayer, listen to them, eat with them, serve them, share the gospel. Are there people in your lives that you can identify and say, this is the person that God has told me to bless? And if you can, are you doing that? Have you committed to community? That's what we've studied this entire year, is being committed to community. And what we mean by that is, are you committed to your life group? Are you committed to the people that God has put in your life? And when I talk about committed, I'm not talking about they're that thing you do if you're not busy doing something else. That's not commitment. Commitment is this is a thing I do regardless of what else is going on. This is the thing that's a priority. Have you been loving sacrificially? Have you been setting aside your own desires for the sake of the people that God has put in your life? Have you, have you gotten to a place where you're willing to say, I want to do this, but I know that God has called me to do this, and so I'm going to do it? Or have you gotten to a place where you can say, I want to do this, but this person really, really needs my help, and I'm going to go do that because that's my call as a believer, as a brother and sister in Christ? Are you sharing inter- intimacy? I joked with Talitha and Bethany a couple of weeks ago uh, and told them that I wanted them to write a book called Introvert's Guide to Doing Life in Community, Okay. Because it's hard, okay? I'm not an introvert, but I'm married to one. And, and, and so what does that look like? I don't know. I'm not an introvert, okay? Russ, maybe you can get in on some of that action. That's not the right answer, and we're going to get to that. In just a second, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really good point. One of the things that I felt like the Lord put on me today is, and I want to address husbands, okay? Husbands, let me tell you about doing life in community. All right, so I have all the husband's attention. You need to give your wife the okay, and you need to take responsibility for your kids and let her get out of the house. That's part, yeah, come on, bring it. Listen, I'm going to tell you what I'm guilty of. This, I have a great example. I was telling with you guys the other day, I was getting ready to run, and I told a couple of people I'm going to run this half marathon, and it's going to be great, and I'm talking to Beth about it, and she's like, um, Will, how much time is this going to take? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go run. 
Here's what I didn't do. I didn't consider my wife and the time that I was going to take away from her so that I could do a thing that I wanted to do. Here's what I know about wives, husbands. I know this because I've been married for almost 15 years. My wife, I'm sorry, Bethany, I'm picking on you in front of everybody. My wife is never going to tell me no. Very rarely will she tell me no about something. My wife is never going to ask me to take the kids so that she can go do something. Husbands, we need to say to our wives, I got this. You go do something for you. We can't be the church that God is calling us to be, husbands, if we're not being the husbands that God's called us to be. If we're not sharing the responsibilities of our children. Okay? My kids are not my wife's kids. They're our kids. I used to tell people all the time, people would, it drove me nuts. People would say, oh, you're babysitting the kids tonight? No, I'm not babysitting. They're mine. Okay? <laughs> you crazy? Dads. Dads. We need to let mamas get out of the house a little bit. She can't be who God's calling her to be if all she's doing is watching the kids. I'm not saying the kids aren't part of her calling. They're part of my calling too. They're part of your calling too. But, but husbands, they need you to say to them, let me have the kids. You go do something else. They need that. And we need to say it to them. Don't just assume that it's, that it's an unspoken thing because it's not. Culturally, men just let the women handle it, especially down here in the South. And husbands, we've got to step up our game. Okay? Are you sharing intimacy? I, I just mentioned that one. Are you, are you at a place in your life groups and the relationships that are around you where you're able to really get intimate with people, even though it's uncomfortable that you get in there? Are you willing to risk vulnerability? Are you at a place where you can get with your life group and say, look, I'm really struggling with this. I know this is what Scripture says, but I'm having a hard time. I love, I was, I was talking with somebody the other day, and they said, this is what God's calling me to do, but man, I am confused. I've already told people we're going to obey what God's called us to do, but I don't understand my feelings. That's a big deal for somebody to say that out loud. Are you at a place where you can sit with the people that you're doing life with, that you're doing church with in your life groups, and be vulnerable and say, I'm really struggling with this? Are we celebrating Christ together? You know, I, I really, um, when I read that, it kind of hit me like a, a hammer over the head. You know, one of the things we talked about we were going to do, and maybe you, your life groups have done it, and, and I'm just failing as a leader in mine, is are we breaking bread together? Are we celebrating the, the victory, the life that Christ has given us as a church? Are we growing spiritually? Are you daily pursuing the Lord? Are you spending time? Are you making time every day? Whatever time of that day that is for you that works, are you making that a priority in your life? Are you stepping up into, relation, uh, into leadership and maintaining truth? You know, Glenn's meeting with these 29 people who have said, and, and, and here's the commitment, here's the thing that they have, have, have affirmed that God is saying to them, is that God has called them to leadership. Have you accepted the call that God has put on your life as a believer to share the gospel? Are you maintaining the truth? I and mean, what we mean by that is, as you are doing life with other people, if you sit, hear them or see them say something that's out of the context of Scripture, are you calling them out on that? For the sake of the gospel of saying, hey, this is what Scripture says and we need to talk about it. Let's look at what happens with Aquila and Priscilla. Okay? We're going to, well, before we say that, let me say this. Okay, Glenn put this note in here. He says, as we are beginning to see the changes that God is making in our focus on house churches, rather than our calling as a corporate experience here, it demands that all of us step up. It's time, church. 
This is what God's been calling us to. I, I was talking with somebody this week, and, and they said it feels like we're just shifting paradigms. We're going from a paradigm of this is how we do church to a paradigm of this is how we do church, and that is not the case at all. The reason I've, I, we encourage you guys so much to read the book, the, this book, Letters to the Church, is because we want, what we want you to see for yourself is that we're not making a paradigm shift. The paradigm, well, we are. The paradigm shift that we're making is from going to this is church to this is church, what happens right here. That's the shift. It's not about the how, it's about the why. Why are we doing life together? What has God called me personally to do in your life? And what has God called you personally to share corporately with, with your life group, with, with your church? Life group leaders, are you stepping up and being pastors? Are you pastoring that church? Are you, are you committing the amount of time, just like I would here or Glenn would here, to your life group? I was talking with Ben earlier. I know that God's going to do some stuff in our life group, okay? We've got Ben, who's an elder in our life group. We've got me, who's an elder in our life group. We've got Aaron, who's an elder in our life group. We've got Dr. Russ Meek, who's in our life group, okay? We've got the Doug Fetters in our life group. We've got some, some guys in our group that could very easily lead another one. God, now, God has placed us together for this time period, but the time's coming. We're going to talk about this at life group tonight. The time is coming, we also got Kerry Westbrook. I almost forgot about him because he didn't show up today. Kerry, if you listen to the podcast, it's your own fault. We've got, I, I, I don't know your life group because I don't go to it. But there are, there are a lot of, everyone in my group is a leader. And there's no reason outside of the Holy Spirit that, those, that we aren't all leading life groups. We've got to own our own ministry. And, and we've got we to gotta invite others in. And we've got to own it in a way that you can take it and, and do it on your own, okay? I'm not, I'm not talking about just owning it in a way that, that you like, yeah, this is mine and I possess it. I'm talking about owning it in a way that you run it, that you manage it. I want you to think about this. If you're married, this is a great, great way to think about it. I don't know who does the bills in your house, if you, one does it and the other doesn't, or if you split the responsibilities, but let's just imagine for a minute we operated within that structure like we do as the church, where we think, oh, that person will take care of it. I'm not going to worry about it this week. How long would it take for the lights to get cut off? Not very long. You see, we don't, we don't treat any other area of our life, any other area of responsibility, the way we treat the church a lot of times. We, do, we don't give this the value. And, and let's be honest, like this is the most important thing that we do. You know, I think about my children all the time. I think about what kind of adults do I want them to be. The kind of adult that I want them to be is an adult that loves Jesus and that is responsible. Am I role modeling that in the way I do? If those are the two priorities, if I want them to know Jesus and to be a good adult, how well am I role modeling those two things? When they look at my life, do they see my ministry not as a pastor but as a person? Do they see that taking the forefront or do they see something else taking the forefront? I can't answer that for you, but you need to take a look at your own life. What are you making the priority? So let's look at what happens with Aquila and Priscilla. Chapter 18, verse 24 through 26. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, 
they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Quill and Priscilla, husband and wife team, Paul spent 18 months with them. They go to Ephesus together. Paul leaves them there. And this guy, Apollos, who's passionate about the Lord, when it says that he's only known the, the baptism of John, they're talking about John the Baptist. He had been baptized by him, but he, didn't, he, he had an idea of who Jesus was and what he had done, but he had not known the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what that's telling us. He was not a full believer yet. And, and Aquila and Priscilla, who I, I want you today to identify with them because they are people just like you. They are a mom and a dad, a husband and a wife who knew the Lord and they owned it in such a way that when someone who put themselves on a pedestal and came in and began to preach in the synagogues, Apollos wasn't doing that in a prideful way, but to go into the synagogue and argue with the guys that run the synagogue, that kind of tells you how he felt about himself. He thought he had the answers and he's in there arguing with them and, and a, a woman and her husband, just like you, Went to Apollos and said, look, you're sharing these things and we're really glad you are, but you've missed a couple of really important things. That's owning it, right? When you can go to somebody who is, who is standing on a platform and saying out loud, these are the things that, that I know to be true, to go to that person and say, hold on, you missed a couple of things. And not only did they, not only did they do that, but Apollos received it, okay? Here's what's happening. Aquila and Priscilla freed Paul up to do the ministry that Paul had, had been called to. They freed Paul up. Normally, Paul is the one that would go to somebody like Apollos and say, hey, I really appreciate your zeal, but you've missed a few things here. Glenn can't move. God will not move him from this place until you and I take responsibility for what God has called us to. Or maybe he will. Maybe he'll get tired of waiting. I don't know. It's time, church. Let's go on to, let's read 22 and 23. It said, when they had landed in Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Paul was able to greet the church there, okay? He was still reporting. He's still sending out uh, uh, encouragement to the churches that he'd been part of. He's being used by the Holy Spirit to encourage and strengthen the disciples in that region. And what's, what's really interesting is what we see in Scripture is what I think God is doing in our church right now. We got the church in Ruston. Glenn, they've, I, I don't know if you've picked up on this fully, but they've started having Sunday gatherings there okay before Glenn was going up on Thursdays leading their life group and and that was it and and God is moving them beyond that and and so now Glenn doesn't go on Thursdays anymore they do that part on their own just like we do it on our own and now he's going up on Sunday afternoons and and having more of a corporate worship experience like we know here they're progressing okay and the only way that happens is when people begin to take responsibility. They've had conversations with the people that are leaders in that group. And, and some of them are feeling called to be elders and they're stepping up and they know that they're not going to be together forever, that God's going to grow that group and they're going to have to multiply out. Okay? Rustin's not going to be the only place that happens. 
there's going to be more. As that group begins to expand, Glenn's going to be called to another place. But, but we, we're a big group. We've got to start doing church on our own. It's time to put our big boy britches on. Okay? We can't just sit here idly anymore. Okay? Let's look at, uh, at verse 24 through 28. Here's what we're going to see in this as we get in there. Is we're going to see Paul's grandchildren in ministry. Okay? We're looking at a third generation, a third level down. So Paul spent time with Aquila and Priscilla. And then Aquila and Priscilla spent time with Apollos. And that's who this, ta- this, is, this is talking about. So it says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, and he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Okay, we just read through all that. We see that, that, that Paul spends time with Aquila and Priscilla, and they're spending time with Apollos, and this thing is building out. And we're going to continue to see that as we work through the, act, uh, the book of Acts. I want to remind you all a couple of things. I know we got some people going through new member training. One of the first things we talk about is our distinctives as a TGP church. What are the things that make us different from other Southern Baptist churches in this area? We're not trying to be different for difference sake. This is just the things that God has called us specifically to. The first thing we talk about is our mission. And our mission is to lead people to know God. Okay, And, and there's two ways in which we do that. One is by introducing them to the person of Jesus. Okay? And number two is by teaching them to grow progressively in their relationship with the Lord. Okay? That, that call, that distinctive, doesn't just belong to the elders. That's not a distinctive of Glenn Watley. That is a distinctive of the Gathering Place Church. So what that means is you, as a member of the Gathering Place Church, your mission is to lead people to know God. That means you personally will introduce them to Jesus. That means you personally will help them to learn how to grow more progressively day by day in their understanding and in their relationship with who Jesus is. Francis Chan in the book, when I, when I heard him say this, I, I just had to pause and take this in for a minute. And, and I didn't go back and look it up, but this is basically what he says. If no one is following you, something is wrong. You as a believer, if no one is following you, if there is no one that you are mentoring, something is wrong. That's heavy for me, and I hope it's heavy for you. What we want you to understand is that this is not church. Church is what happens during life. Church is what happens when um, someone loses a loved one. And you gather around them and you love them. And you do whatever's necessary to take care of them. When God called me to be a pastor of this church, I had a little crisis of belief. Okay? Because I I knew what God was saying, but I knew my background and I didn't feel prepared. And I'm sharing that with you guys today because I know, because I've had conversations with some of you, that you don't feel prepared either. You, you hear me and you hear Glenn talk about you being a leader. I, I've told several people that I'm reading this book, Letters to the Church, with, uh, I hope you're ready because when you get done with this, God's going to call you to be a pastor. Okay? And I don't mean necessarily this. I'm talking about pastoring a group of people, a small group of people in a, in a home. Because what happens as you read through that book, what happens as you spend time in the gospel is you see that your calling is yours. 
not mine. My crisis of belief was I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. I haven't gone through the schooling that I need to do. Glenn mentioned last week, we've got three PhDs in this building. Not today, but we have three PhDs that are members of our church. We've got uh, a guy who's been in ministry most of his adult life. We, we have the resources to teach you the things that you need to know. I'm still being mentored. I'm not planning on quitting, okay? I got a lot to learn. But here's what the Lord told me. I'm, I'm praying. I'm writing this down. This is all on that, on that May 5th, 2016. This was in my journal that day. I'm saying, God, I'm not ready. <laughs> You're telling me I'm going to be a pastor and I'm not qualified. This is what he said through Oswald. The moment we recognize our complete weakness and our dependence upon him will be the very moment that the Holy Spirit of God will exhibit his power. We already got what we need. The Holy Spirit's going to handle it for us. God was saying, well, you don't need to worry about going to seminary. You got me. I'm not discrediting seminary, but what I am saying is that when the Holy Spirit is in control, he got way more knowledge than the seminary does. I was listening this morning. This is going to be my last, my last little thing. We're going to get out of here a few minutes early. You're welcome. This morning I was preparing and was listening to, I don't know, random YouTube stuff. But um, I listened to a, um, a song that John Mark McMillan did. Some of you are familiar with his music. But he said this, and it just struck me. I had to write it down. He was talking about loving people. He was talking about living in ministry. And he said, we don't do this because we should. We do this because it's awesome. Because it's beautiful, because it is the most important thing we can do with our lives. It's the most important thing we could ever do, is to love people. When we talk about being the church, when we talk about what it means to live in community, when we talk about doing church in homes, or we talk about doing church here corporately, what, what we're talking about is you loving God and obeying what He says and loving people. That's it. We want you guys to abide in Christ. We want you to walk with Him daily, to know Him personally, to be paying attention to what the Spirit is doing and loving the people that He's put in your life. Look, I know i got a couple of people in my life that aren't part of what we do here as TGP, but I also can recognize several people that are in my life that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you need to spend some time with these people. And I am. And it may be a slow road, Okay. We're not, we're not trying to just make quick converts, okay? It may take you two, three, four, five, ten, fifteen years to walk with somebody, holding their hand, helping them understand who the person of Jesus is, and it's worth it. Look, the things I'm talking about today, we're not, we're not performance-oriented here. That's not what this is about. This is not me holding up a measuring stick to you and saying, oh, you're not quite measuring up, I'm going to need you to step your game up a little bit. This is about the Holy Spirit talking to you and saying, are you doing the things that I've asked you to do? We've been, some of us have been in this body a long time. And we don't need more milk. We need some meat. We need to step up. We need to take responsibility. We need to own our own ministry. And when that happens, we're going to see the church grow. We're going to see more churches planted. Not because we're out there trying really hard, but because we're in love with Jesus and we can't help it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness to us.
God, I know that for me today, uh, what a strong challenge as you are calling me personally to, to step up my game and, and to be obedient to the things that you're calling me to. Father, my, my hope and my prayer today is that what we hear is from you. That it's not about Will trying to motivate people to do something great. But it's about us being obedient to the things that you have, have been showing us over the last several years, specifically this year, about what it means to live in community, about what it means to, to walk with one another, what it means to love one another. God, it, it is our desire that when people meet us on the street that they wouldn't talk about the Gathering Place West, but that they would talk about how incredible you are and how much you love them. God, we're not here trying to, to build a name for ourselves. Father, we are nobodies. Nobody's in love with you. So God, I ask that this week as we spend time with you, that you'd help us to digest these things and to have some personal reflection and to think about where, what are the areas in our lives. God, point out to us where we are lacking, where we're not being obedient, where we're struggling. God, let us be vulnerable about that with the people that we're doing life with. Let's talk about those things. Let's pray together, asking you for strength. God, call us to something greater and bigger than ourselves.